Lord, thank you so much. We thank you so much. God, thank you for opening our eyes more and more to this awesome reality that the sunrise from on high has visited us. The light has come and we can see like we've never seen before. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that has come to us in you. Thank you that the kingdom has come within by the gift of the Spirit. Thank you for this this reality within us. In the world we shall have tribulation, but we can be of good cheer, for you have overcome the world. And we are in you, and you are in us. Thank you, Lord, for this reality. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the joy. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. A while back we shared um, about how the law was, was uh, um, I'll say it this way, the law was all law. There was no faith involved in the law or the covenant of law. And, and, the, and we know that Galatians says that faith was not revealed. The way of faith was not revealed until Christ came. It wasn't that there was not a, God was not teaching them about faith in places in the Old Testament or in their journey because they were, um, especially with Abraham, God was showing the way of faith that was going to come. But when you look at the covenant of law, it's really important to get in your mind how the Jews saw the covenant of law. Okay. And that's this. The law said basically that if you keep, this is the law that was added now 400 and some odd years after the promise was given to Abraham. Galatians talks about this promise that was given to Abraham of a seed that would come. And Paul is very clear that the seed, which is Christ, would be a blessing to all the nations. That in your seed shall all the nations be blessed. Okay. We know Abraham was blessed because the scripture says he believed God. And God counted it as righteousness. And Paul brings that up and says, in Romans, he says, what has Abraham found? He has found righteousness through faith. Okay. So this blessing comes upon anyone who believes in all the nations on this seed that was to come, which is Christ, Galatians says. Not seeds as many, but seed as one, even Christ, Paul says. So he makes it really clear. Okay. So God laid the foundation for this incredible new covenant that was coming Beginning with Abraham, it continued with the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I love a verse in the prophets that says, The fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers were aliens and strangers to the covenant of Sinai. Obviously, because they weren't even born. Uh, I mean, yeah, they weren't even, they were born before the 400 some odd years later came the law from Sinai. Okay. What was hidden in the scripture was this revelation of a seed of, a, of one who was to come to whom all the promises had been made. This seed carried with him all the promises of God. And what God painted in broad brush was the way to be a part of this seed and this blessing was through faith. For those who believe are the children of Abraham, the scripture says. Okay. Now, this was all hidden in the scripture. Centuries went by God delivered Israel out of Egypt and cut a covenant with them on Sinai. Jeremiah said, 
this is like many years after Sinai had been established. Jeremiah said, The day is coming when I'll cut a new covenant with the house of Israel, not like the covenant I cut with them when I brought them out of Egypt. Okay. So you see this parenthesis. You see this, this history of Abraham before the covenant from Sinai. You see Sinai and what the Jews, how the Jews lived under this old covenant of law. And then you see the prophet saying, But something new is coming, something that really God has planned and foreordained even before the law was ever given. A new covenant, which will not be like the covenant I cut with them when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, which is the, the, the Sinai covenant that Moses brought. Okay. Think about this now. The Jews saw the covenant of law um, as not really involving faith at all. It was all law. And the, and the covenant of law basically said this. If you keep my commandments, you'll be blessed. If you obey, if you do, if you perform them, you'll be blessed. If you don't keep the commandments, you'll be cursed. Okay, God will be in your midst and fight your enemies for you and take care of you and prosper you and all these things if you keep the law, keep the commandments. Okay. In that old covenant, was, it was God set up not only the Ten Commandments and covenants of morality, but also in that covenant was a system composed of statutes to handle it when they did sin, when they did break the law. That said, thou shalt not kill, or thou shalt not commit adultery, or whatever, thou shalt not covet. In that system, there was the temple, which had to be constructed a certain way. The priesthood, which had to be from a certain tribe and, and, and uh, certain robes done a certain way. And the sacrifices, which had to be done a certain way. The temple, the priesthood, and the sacrifices. Now, all these things that God put, and this is all part of the covenant. You have the Ten Commandments to get the morality part. It says, obey, be good. But if you're not good, you've you got to do this. And this is law. This is, this is statutes. Okay. So they bring a lamb. They bring a ram. They bring a dove. They bring, according to the law, they would do these things at this temple with these priests, with the sacrifices, so God could cover their sin and remain in their midst, but not take it away. Now, that was the covenant of law. That's, what they, that's how they thought. They thought that it was all about, about performing so God will stay with us. That's why faith was such a foreign thing to the Jew when Jesus came. It was such a different thing because they were all about doing. All about doing good. And when they didn't do good, all about doing the, doing the sacrifices, going to the priest, going to the temple, so that sin could be covered. In fact, they had one day a year as part of that covenant, the Day of Atonement, part of that covenant was where they would have one day where they would have all the sins of Israel covered, even the ones they committed without awareness, the scripture says, without um, consciously aware, in ignorance. They committed sins without even aware of it. Even those sins were covered on the Day of Atonement. Okay, but they didn't have any concept of faith yet. Faith, because faith to them, to them righteousness was a function of obedience. And that's the natural way of thinking. And think about it. I mean, if you're righteous, you're righteous because you do righteousness. And if God says this system of covering sin is a, it works and God accepts that system, then I need to do that so I can have my unrighteousness covered. So I either do righteousness or when I, when I do unrighteousness, I do what he has said I should do to cover the unrighteousness. So all in the Jewish mind, righteousness was all about doing. Either doing it good in the first place or doing it over here under the, under the sacrifices to cover when you didn't do it right over here. You see that? 
It's so cool to see this because this is the whole system was all about doing. And Jesus comes on the scene and suddenly he's, he's moving in this. And John the Baptist was, um, John the Baptist expected the coming of the Messiah and the coming of the kingdom of God to come with judgment because he's still, still John's thinking about this, the, the sin of man. You know, this, this has got to be dealt with. You know, what, God, God's going to come and he's going to just really clean everybody's clock and purge the earth and, you know, and all this. Because that's, that's what John saw. He said the axe is laid to the root of the tree. He said he'll, he'll come with a fire and burn the stubble. You know, who are you? you know, Pharisees came out to ask John who he was. And he says, he says who, has, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You know, it's like, we didn't want to warn you. Yeah, yeah. Who, did, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You know, they're, they're out there with their robes. And who do you think you are? Are you the prophet that's supposed to come? Are you the voice? Oh, you know, who are you? And then, then John said, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare his way. But John didn't really understand either. That's why when he was imprisoned and he saw Jesus healing the sick, forgiving sins unconditionally. He didn't. This is what really got John because he was not doing it if they did something. He did not do something for them if they did something for him. It was, it, was, it was not about doing. Suddenly, this one was on the scene. And multitudes would come and he would heal them all. They would, they would come on the scene. and Even the prostitute would come and find forgiveness. I mean, it was, John was baffled by this because this is not the judgment he, he saw coming. Because he had hidden. See, remember, hidden... From Lucifer was the way God would forgive the human race. It was a mystery hidden. Had the prince of this world understood the hidden mystery, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It was hidden. It was hidden. And that's why Jesus said things here and there. And then he would say, um, you know, he would say, you know, you don't understand now, but you'll understand later. Things like that. And then after he said, then he said, after all my work is accomplished, Shout it from the housetops because then you can tell everybody. Because it's too late. It'll be too late. In fact, in fact, it should be heralded from the housetops because at that point, the work is finished. I will, I will be seated at the right hand of God, the work having been accomplished on earth. And so just spread the word far and wide because it's over. And uh, so anyway, so here's, here's, uh, here's the Lord. Um, uh, let's see, where was I? Oh yeah, John. Now John, John was... John was uh, puzzled by this. And that's why he sent messengers. And he said, ask them, ask him, is he the one or should we look for another? Is he the one or should we look for another? And that's when Jesus quoted the uh, scripture that says, the lame walk, the blind see, and the, the poor have the good news preached to them. And he said this, he says, and blessed is he who, does, is, who is not offended in the Son of God. Because grace offends people. Um, the reason why grace offends some people, it doesn't offend everybody. It, it offends the person who feels like they are doing. See, the Jew was all about doing. Righteousness was a function of doing. And so grace can offend that person who doesn't see the revelation that you can never do enough. And that those things you did under the, under the statutes to cover sin merely covered them and never took them away, as Hebrews says. And so what God had planned for us was something far greater than just a ritual to cover sins, but a, but a person 
to take away sins. Now, so when faith was revealed, Galatians says, then the revelation came that righteousness is no longer a function of what you do. Whether it's obedience to laws in a morality way or whether it's a, obedience to laws in a, uh, in a sacrificial way to cover sins in a temple and a priesthood and so forth. But righteousness now is a function and only a function of faith in Jesus himself. This is the stumbling block. The scripture says that the Jew sought righteousness by their works and stumbled over the stumbling block, which is Christ. The Gentile was not seeking righteousness and heard the good news of this one who brought righteousness by his death. And simple faith would bring righteousness to the, to the Gentile. They simply believed. They found what the Jew was looking for because they didn't stumble over the stumbling block because they weren't trying to find righteousness. They weren't even looking for it. Which is such, but that's the way it worked because the one who is striving the hardest to be sometimes is the, is the one that the, has the most difficulty receiving the gift. Isn't that awesome? So it's just good to understand this mindset, see, of how God works and how he came in Christ. Um, now, this is, this is what I want to try to say today. Um, the seed that was to come. This awesome work of God. It's more than just righteousness. We know that. But get a glimpse of this. This is so cool. The work that was accomplished in this one, the Christ, brought to earth Available to man through the Spirit within heaven itself. I know we've said this before, but I just want, I want to try to say it in a little different way that it, that it really would imp- penetrate and, and impart. It's a whole other reality within. God himself with us. Emmanuel, 24-7. When he was born, the angels, the, the veil was pulled back and they saw multitudes and multitudes of angels singing. And the, the word from the angels were, you know, to you this day is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We bring you great tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. God is with you, to whom God is pleased, the scripture says, because of what Christ would do. I want to try to say this morning that there is a huge vista within you, and that's the word, vista. There is a horizon within you that is huge. There is All that God had promised is true in Him, in His Son. All the promises of God are yes and amen. It is not just the gift of righteousness, which is awesome, because that qualifies us for union with Him. But there is a vista in us that Christ is all in all. There is a transcendent reality 
that he wants us to experience now of a joy unspeakable and full of glory, Peter said. I'm trying to say something that it, this is beyond, this is so powerful that is within you now. It's not something you attain. It's not something you try to work for. It is within us now. This reality can only be opened up in us by the Spirit. It's what made the apostles and the believers so on fire to speak of the Christ. Within them was this new land. Within them was this, this, unit, this union with God himself. I don't care what's happening with your body, physically. I don't care financially. I don't care relationally. I don't care what's happening in this world. I'm telling you this thing, and you know this, it's so huge. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We have been translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son now. It's it's, it's almost like, remember we said the other Sunday, we said there's only one thing needful. There's only one thing needful. I love the simplicity of God. He does the hard part, and He just asks us to simply receive. And the, the one thing needful was, He said, Mary, remember Martha? Martha was all busy, busy, doing, doing, doing. And he was, she was complaining about Mary and saying, you know, why doesn't Mary help me? And, and then and what Mary was doing, Jesus said, Mary has found the one thing that is needful. There's only one thing. And that was, she was resting. Watch the pronouns that I'm about to say here. He was, she was resting at his feet. She was looking at his face. She was listening to his voice. That's it. End of story. Behold. One thing is needful, Martha. You're, com- you're encumbered by many things and worried about many things, but one thing is needful, Martha. And Mary has found that one thing. In simply that rest of faith, no more worried about doing to be or even doing to cover up sins because we have our own doing that we do to cover up sins. We have the same patterns in our thinking that I've got to do to be righteous. And if, I don't be, if I'm not righteous, I've got to do penance or do something to get unrighteous, uh, unrighteousness off of me or cleansed or somehow. Do something. See? None of that. He did it all. And so as we rest in faith in Him and get in our minds the simplicity of God, and receive from him. As Paul wrote the Corinthians, he says, I, I fear as Satan beguiled Eve and moved her from the simplicity of Christ. That's in the Corinthian letter. Mm-hmm. See, he's, this is the heart of it all. The enemy distracted Eve from the simplicity of Christ. Paul is saying there that the tree of life was Christ. Not knowledge of life, life. And so the enemy distracted her to the tree of knowledge of right and wrong, good and evil, and, it, and the, Eve said the tree was a tree that was good to look at, beautiful, and it was good. It made one wise. He was alluring her with wisdom. Instead of the simplicity of life. And so here's, we are now in a posture of receiving 
life. He is our life. And that's how no flesh can glory in His presence because if we go that route, we pull it off. Either we, we think we pull it off or we don't pull it off. We're either in pride because we think we pulled it off or we're in despair because we didn't pull it off. It's death. But the rest and the receiving of life is God's way. And so in this simplicity... We now can pray on target, is what I'm saying. There is a vista, vista meaning vision, uh, understanding, uh, revelation, a, a, uh, a deep uh, awareness of the, of the new land in him within us, in the spirit, no matter what's happening on the outside. So we can pray as Paul prayed for the saints. That the eyes of our new heart might be fully awakened, fully opened. You see? He prayed that the eyes of our heart might be opened. That we might see this exceeding inheritance that we've, been, that we've received in Christ. That we might receive the, understand the hope of his calling. And the exceeding greatness of the power that's within us which is according to the power he, the Father, exercised when he raised his own son from Sheol through the, the nether parts of the world, through the earth, uh, through the heavens, and set him above all principalities and powers, everything that is made, everything that's everything visible and invisible. It's, just, it's, it's beyond description. We read that Colossian letter the other Sunday, and it was just like, oh, God, he, him, he did it, mama. You know, let no man spoil you of your prize. Behold the simplicity of God. Rest in him, for you are complete in him. He has done it, you know. So I guess what's on my heart this morning is just to simply encourage us that no man can teach you this. See, who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? And those thoughts are revealed to us by the Spirit of God. See? The Scripture says in Hebrews that the day will come where they will no longer say one to another, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord. That is what the situation was under the old covenant of law. Because it was all about doing. There was, the, the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. There was no regeneration under the old covenant. There was just this framework with shadows of the good thing that was coming. What was the shadows of good thing coming? The shadows of good thing coming was the temple and the priesthood and the sacrifice that this law of righteousness we could never accomplish, but there was the shadow of the good thing coming. When Jesus said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days, think about what he was saying there. He was saying not only the place on earth in Jerusalem where sin is covered, Not only the priesthood that are given by God to offer sacrifices according to God's commandments. Not only the sacrifices, but all three, the temple, the priesthood, and the sacrifice. He was the place of union with God where you meet with God. I will meet with you between the wings of the cherubim, the scripture says. I am the place where God will meet with man. I am the priesthood. I am after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Levi that dies, but after the order of Melchizedek who has no father, no mother, no beginning, no end. 
I am the priest and I am the sacrifice himself. I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I am. I'll raise it up in three days. I'll swallow up that temporary covenant that was given in Sinai that had a beginning and had an end when the veil was rent in two when he died. He ended that covenant and he fulfilled that which he spoke to Abraham for the seed had come to whom the promise was made. And in him now there's a there's a simplicity that I can I can just I can rest. That's right. Lots of what Jesus said in the Gospels. This is where the confusion comes in with a lot of believers. Lots of what Jesus said in the Gospels is not for the believer who is now in him in this union with righteousness himself and life himself. It was him trying to get the Jewish mind prepared for this awesome revelation for the ways of God are not like the ways of men. Men understood doing for righteousness. They did not understand another giving me righteousness through faith. And so he would say a lot of things that we get, we get confused over, like the rich young ruler when asked, well, how can I get eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the law, keep the commandments. And he says, I've kept them all from youth up. You know, we've talked about this before. And, and then Jesus said, hmm, let's see. This is a, he's a tough nut to crack here. Let me think here. I said, I don't know. Let's start with rule number one. Uh, you should have no other gods before you. Um, go and sell all that you have and follow me. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. So he couldn't keep the first one. So, but we take that phrase where Jesus says, go and keep the commandments for eternal life. And we think, oh, that's the truth. That's, that's, no. He's preparing the people to come to the end of themselves. The scripture says, the law was given that every mouth might be shut. That everybody would stop saying, I I, I can do it. I'm trying. I'll do better. I promise. No. (laughs) Every mouth be shut. And then he would turn to his disciples and say, but to you is given the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about a man who had a vineyard. And he went out to get men to work in his vineyard. And he, they agreed on a price. And, they, and the workers agreed. That's a fair price. In fact, that's a very generous price. We agree. That's awesome. That's very generous. We, okay, we'll go work. And they worked all day. And toward the end of the day, about an hour left in the day, the, work, the owner of the vineyard said, I, 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 we need a few more workers. So he went into town and got a few more workers. And they came and they worked only an hour. At the end of the day, they all came for their paycheck. And the guys that worked all day got the, got the check they agreed to. They thought it was very generous. You know, it was like, and then they came to the guy who worked for one hour, and all these guys were looking to see what he was going to get. And he got the same check. He got the same check. All day they worked, and he got the same amount of money for one hour. And they all started grumbling and complaining, and this is not fair. This is not right. How can you do this? We worked all day. Why are you giving him the same thing? And, he, and the owner said, you know, when, we, when I first hired you, didn't we not discuss what was fair? In fact, you thought it was a very good price. And you said, sure, we'll work. That's a very good price. Why do you see me as evil now? Because I want to do good with that which I have, that which is my own. See? So he was talking the mysteries of the kingdom, what was coming, this grace that was coming to his disciples that they began to really see and understand. But those who were still stuck on doing didn't get it. And that's what all the parables are about. This new reality that was coming. The prodigal son. The lost coin. The lost sheep. All these things about this grace that was coming. Anyway, so I just want to 
guess I pray, you know, like, Lord, what is, what is the word? What is the nugget you want me to share with the saints today to encourage them? And that's what I pray every time. You know, Lord, what, is, what, is the, what do you want me to say? Lord, use me as a vessel to speak as the oracles of God to encourage the saints. What, and this is the nugget. Never forget the simplicity of God. Never underestimate the greatness of the seed. Um, let us realize the awesomeness that is within here in him. Ask that all veils be removed, that the vista, the great horizon that is within you, might open up a land filled with milk and honey. Yes, giants, giants in this flesh, giants in the world, giants in demonic powers that we wrestle with. Those are the giants, demonic powers, the world, and the power of sin that still is in our flesh. But we are no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit because of a great mystery of circumcision, whereby God did cut away the body of the flesh and quarantine sin in this body, this mortal body. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom. There's a real new you within that yearns to walk freely and run like a deer and stand on your high places and see now. For eye has not seen Ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But the Spirit, which has been given to us, reveals those things to us now. And these things of the Spirit are your meat and your drink in your journey on this earth until you breathe your last. The encouragement this morning is, it's there. Let's target our prayers to this. Lord, open my eyes to what you have deposited within me already. That's right. Open my eyes to who you are. Open my eyes to who I am in you. Open my eyes. May this, this awa- awakening, this awareness, this light... So permeate me that I will say, wow, the half was not told. The half was not told. Does that make sense? When he raised that himself up, when God raised him up in three days, he just didn't raise up a new temple. He didn't didn't just raise a new place where Man can meet with God. He didn't just raise up a new priesthood with, who, that never dies after the order of Melchizedek. He didn't just raise up the final sacrifice being himself. He raised up the veil that was ripped. Hebrew says his flesh was the veil. The body. Hebrew says his body on the tree was the door. His body on the tree, Hebrew says, was the veil. It was the door. Behold, I have opened a door that no man can shut. Behold, behold. Lord, thank you so much for this reality. I pray that 
as we worship this morning with the saints, that we would so be aware that we have passed through the door and the door is inside of us. We now go in and out and find pasture on this earth. Creatures of two realms, just just as you, Lord. Let us be a witness to the earth of what we see in the spirit. In Jesus' name, thank you for my saints, my my brothers and sisters, Lord. Thank you for the saints. Thank you for the saints of God. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters who love me and pray for me. In Jesus' name, amen.